0: Hi, this is Luis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctoranddad.com Uh, And by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that, so it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed, so be sure to check it out, and thanks for listening.
1: Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So this is, I think, our second podcast where we actually get to sit in the same room and look each other in the eye and and talk face-to-face. I am in uh, Nicole's house in lovely Omaha, Nebraska. actually Mm -hmm. is a pretty day out here. Yep,
2: still summer. Still feels like summer.
1: Hanging on there. Tough, exactly. Um, Now, we should note that uh, Nicole is uh, due to have her second child Uh, my third grandchild any moment now (laughs) so so if uh, if we actually have to uh, shut this down and and delay the the podcast uh, that uh, you'll you'll know why Uh, and unfortunately Nicole's fighting a cold
2: yes so might not be the best sound quality but we'll get through it
1: we're gonna forge forward so this is the uh, this is the second podcast that we've had on a uh, on a so-called potential wonder anti-aging drug. Uh, the first one was on metformin. This one is on probably a more controversial one because it's a more powerful um, uh, compound called rapamycin. Uh, and and so the question is is it is it this potential fountain of, of youth? Um, so qu- first question for you, Nicole is is um, Obviously, you've heard of rapamycin. Do you get asked by patients about rapamycin at all? Never. Never. <laughs> Not- so contrast with metformin, which you which you do get well, some questions I on. Well,
2: I get questions on metformin in the context of diabetes only. No one's ever asked me, no patient has ever asked me, um, about metformin in in, in an anti aging setting outside of diabetes. Well, I've asked but never, you, but I'm not your patient. Exactly. <laughs> so no. And then rapamycin, absolutely not. No one's ever said ask me anything about that. It's just that's a, it's a higher. I'm not gonna say higher level of understanding, but I guess it's a. It would sh- it would be the person who has a lot more um, interest and self-education to come to their doctor with this question, and I just haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm still trying to get people, you know, to exercise <laughs> <Eat right. laughs> yeah, and cut out yeah. fast food. But I, I mean, I'm, and this is just me and I don't see a ton of patients and I haven't been out for that long. So it's not to say that people aren't interested in this, um, but this is kind of a complex thing.
1: Right. Right. And, and you're right. It's probably, you know, 0.1% of, of all kind of the general public that even is a, a aware that this is right. a, a potential anti-aging wonder drug, but, yeah. uh, but we, we should go back and, and because I think it's interesting that this compound rapamycin was first discovered on Easter Island. In like I think it was the 1970s, maybe. Hmm. So uh, these and 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 these researchers were just on there and was found in the soil of Easter Island. So it's a and and it it's got these antifungal qualities. So a mycin is a is uh, a fungal fungus. Yeah. 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 So um, it was found in these in these soil samples. They had no idea what what um, it was it was good for, Um, but. Um, and the reason I think it's interesting also, the reason it's called rapamycin is the native uh, name for Easter Island is Rapa Nui. Oh, I
2: didn't even put that together.
1: <laughs> so they uh, they yeah. took the the front of it and, and and combined it obviously with the mycin, and uh, and that's how it's got its name. And and the 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 drug actually that was developed is a, a pretty powerful immunosuppressant. So it's principally used for kidney transplant patients right. to, uh, to prevent uh, the rejection of the transplant.
2: That's the only setting I've seen it used as post-transplant because it's an immunosuppressant. And because with a transplant, you, your body, that's not your organ. So despite all the other efforts that you go through to make sure that your body doesn't reject it, there's still foreign... Molecules that come along with it that your body will try to fight. So these immunosuppressants that you give to transplant patients are powerful, and the concern with them as an immunosuppressant is your immune system is
1: obviously needed impacted, it. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, yeah.
2: but you also need that organ, so it's kind of uh, you Balancing use it because it. you you need it, but you have to definitely think about the the side effects, and they don't go without side effects in these
1: transplant patients. So it's it's interesting in terms and we'll get a little bit more into the functionality of it, but um, it's, so in terms of, of why it may be functional from an anti-aging perspective. So they, I think they first found out um, you know it, it, that that mice or and these worms that that were exposed to it um, were able to, to live long, longer and and maybe further uh, further kind of research uncovered this thing called the mammalian target of rapamycin so what is that
2: yeah so this is just the pathway the kind of biochemical pathway that the rapamycin molecule itself, was found to work on
1: and it's and it's interesting so they didn't even they didn't even know this because pathway right. existed before rapamycin, rapamycin was in, in the name was, I know. was discovered <laughs> right and then because they you know it, they worked backwards exactly found something that
2: works and then figure out why it works so exactly there's you know it what it was found to be is a this particular pathway that rapamycin will, ends up working on um it regulates it was found to regulate aging in yeast so this is just a, um, as an aside from its immunosuppressive properties um when looking into this more it becomes kind of like a regulator of growth metabolism and aging and the pathway itself is very sensitive to environmental stimuli and like endocrine stimuli. So you can be acted upon. It's not just like, it's not fixed. Right. It can be changed. So they found in yeast, um, that it's, it extended lifespan fairly significantly. And then in worms and flies, um, and finally mice. And that gets closer to more of our type of studies, animal studies that when we're studying drugs, um, so most significantly when it comes to anti-aging because some people thought maybe it's just anti-cancer because it's a potent anti-cancer um medication or not really medication but so the question was first is it anti-aging for all these other reasons or is it just anti-cancer but they they found that the diseases like alzheimer's neurodegenerative problems, um, age-related, just regular cognitive decline and functional decline, like muscle mass um, and heart rejuvenation were all kind of side effects of taking this or exposing these mice to the rapamycin. So it's not just...
1: So it really kind of goes to the fundamental um, kind of function behind aging, because obviously aging is the number one, what do you want to say, uh, cause, so to speak, right. of... Disease. Uh, uh, of, right, of, of all diseases. Mm-hmm. of uh, well, no, Not all, but cancer, cardiovascular, Alzheimer's, are all kind of most positively correlated with, with age. Yep. So, so, they were turn back the clock on age, you turn back the, the, the risk factors for all, a right. whole host of, of diseases.
2: And it seems to delay and then sometimes fix, but at least delay, like myocardial, which is the um, cells of the heart change that happen over time, because your heart just weakens over time. But um, it was shown to delay that. Delay liver disease, because everyone goes through, you know, everyone's, naturally your blood pressure rises as you age, naturally your heart's gonna weaken as you age. But this was shown to delay that. Um, But also improving things like muscle and decreasing body fat and even rejuvenating um, heart tissue and stem cells. So, so those are all the kind of different ways that they're thinking this acts, not just like anti-cancer, um, but through a lot of different pathways to keep you young.
1: And, and theres there's been like a, a ton of research being done on this. I know that when we were, I was um, kind of researching for this podcast. Um, there's this uh, site, PubMed, that you can go on to and you put rapamycin in there as a search term and it will bring up all the studies on yep. rapamycin. And you can see that, um, you know, and it give you a little chart on the si- side that shows you the number of studies involving rapamycin over the past however many years. And obviously right. it was like almost nothing up until the 80s, let's say, when yeah. it was discovered. And then, boom, It's it's, it's been hundreds and hundreds per year since let's say 2000 or so um and if you look through those studies just if you scroll through all of the the titles of the studies it's like oh beneficial impact of rapamycin on this type of cancer cell mm-hmm. or, or this type of cancer Ra- beneficial on this type of lung disease mm-hmm. beneficial on this type of so it's like one after the other, after right. the other, after the other. So
2: One medication benefiting all these different things. And another reason why it, I don't think will I think we'll eventually figure out, you know, why and then how to use it and how to optimize it because it could be very financially lucrative. So you've got something that can potentially. Right. But. Makes, makes it more kind of appealing for
1: researchers. Uh, but I want to say Pfizer has the patent on rapamycin really? itself, but I think it's expired because those patents, those drug patents I think are for 17 years or so. Yeah. Um so the question is, you know, can someone make money on it? But and I think maybe where where the opportunity there lies in is the fact that, you know, mm. so I guess the 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 you know the question that gets begged is okay if it's got all these positive qualities why, why isn't it? It, why isn't everyone taking it and yeah. the the answer to that is well it's got some some negative side effects as well so and this where this is where we get into a little bit more of the uh, a, a, a kind of a, t- a technical uh, issue but so it it appears that so so first of all they they are finding that. Um, A bunch of negative um, side effects uh, like um, hyperlipidemia, so causes you to have much higher um, high cholesterol, and
2: which is you know what forms plaques in your arteries. So that's counterproductive.
1: Some glucose intolerance, some insulin resistance, which you don't want.
2: Meaning increased risk for diabetes, and just increased nuance at diabetes.
1: Right. So all these these bad things, but. That, so, so they, 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 so that, that kind of dampened enthusiasm. So back to the, uh, the opportunity for the drug company is, okay, can we create something that has the positive effects without the negative effects? And maybe the answer to that is that finding that there's two of these, um, uh, two of these, these, uh, kind of physiological compounds that are related to mTOR mTOR. Mtorc one and Mtorc two, which are which are kind of uh, protein complexes, and they're two different types. And these and rapamycin works on both of them, but one of them it works uh, it works on if you take it periodically, take rapamycin periodically. The other one is if you take it kind of continuously. And so I think it's Mtorc two. is comparatively insensitive to, to rapamycin um, and, and you need prolonged chronic exposure to it to disrupt mTORC2 right. whereas to disrupt mTORC1 it's boom one, one time and it's very, very sensitive to it right. and it turns out if, if I've got my research correctly that all of the bad Side effects are related to disruption of mTOR two, so you don't want to mess with mTOR two because that's what then opens up the door to all those bad things that you you right. talked about.
2: So research is is lending itself to you know the knowledge that the side effects that we talked about, you know, the high cholesterol, increased risk of diabetes, but not even just that, um, a lot of GI stuff, infections, because you're on an immunosuppressant Um, all these different things maybe is because rapamycin over the long term acts on the mTORC2 and that's what really that's what kind of gives you those side effects and that would be um, a problem for those taking the immunosuppressant for their rejection because if you're on if you have a transplant then you need to be on anti-rejection medications for a long time so that's why they obviously know that rapamycin causes all this stuff because they've been on it for A long time. time. Um, But when doing all this other research, um, it seems like if that it takes long chronic exposure for that mTORC2 pathway, and that's what causes your side effects. But for the mTORC1, that's not related to the side effects um, as much. So that kind of gives you another avenue to go down to make the medication that would otherwise be not useful in this setting Potentially useful. useful if they can modify it, either how you take it, or which this happens all the time with medications is modify it so that it it's not this rapamycin molecule. It's rapamycin plus blank that inhibits it from even affecting mTORC2 and only mTORC1. And that comes down to figuring out is there something else very specific in that mTORC1 pathway that they can, you know modify or whatever with the medication so that it's strictly an mtork one there's all kinds of different things i'm sure that people are doing um
1: well and i've heard just anecdotally you know i to these these podcasts um from these different people and and what i've heard actually in in the past week and a half or so Mm -hmm. from on two different podcasts is the these guys are are um, taking rapamycin once a week mm-hmm. as part of their, you know, and they, and these are people who are also obviously taking um, metformin
2: for this purpose. For this and, purpose, yeah. yep.
1: But and, the, and and the issue there Doctors is, just... it, it, we should point out we are not promoting <laughs> that. You know, Going. first of all, you'd have to go get get a, a prescription from from a doctor. Right. Obviously, this this is this is even you know like as we said at the beginning, a much more powerful yes. compound. Than metformin so you can literally die from taking this right. you know don't go too much, buy right?
2: it from a transplant patient and start taking yeah, it on your own not,
1: not good but what i've heard is there you know these these folks who and and actually in one of the cases it's a doctor i think the other is a maybe a researcher um, who knows their stuff they're taking it once a week yep to potentially gain the positives out of it
2: right because there you get intermittent exposure to it without the chronic long-term exposure so they're just experimenting kind of on themselves with not like a crazy you know without any any knowledge and and evidence behind it but there's obviously not enough evidence of for what they're doing to kind of apply it to the masses but for themselves they're they know what they know and what research has shown so
1: and probably are, are measuring other, other kind of um, you know biomarkers to make sure that they don't get in trouble from...
2: Right. You know, oh, yeah. The, Monitoring themselves with, and the side effects. Because, I mean, it yeah. takes a long time for something like this to get approved. That's why the FDA has, and I forget the term that they use, um, but essentially when there's a drug that has been shown to treat blank... But it hasn't made it all the way through
1: some approval. Side label or off-label use. Off-label,
2: yeah. But there's some um, compassionate use or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, let's say you've got a kid who's nothing else is working and he's dying from blank. But there's this medication that's been shown. It's just not through all of the trials yet. They'll approve it for you get a compassionate, waiver. right? Right. Because it takes a long time. So, but these people are kind of doing their own. Um, yeah, they wouldn't experiment with it. The
1: FDA would not approve of them. There. No,
2: no, to, to prolong their
1: um, renegade studies. Yeah. Um, but so, so that's, that does bring up the point of, okay, you know, so we've got to wait for clinical studies to take place. I've read that, um, you know, the next phase. So they've done it. They, they, they've kind of proven on. You said yeast, mm-hmm. worms, mice. So we're getting closer to humans. Next right. one is is dogs. They're I gonna... think
2: it is dog studies. Yeah. That's uh,
1: what, so what so as a, I mean, larger mammals. It kind right. of makes sense. It's closer closer to us. Yeah. Um, so it's it's probably a ways away from you know some sort of FDA.
2: Like everyone approval. takes it to prolong their life. Yeah, probably a little bit, but as you see with how much research there is into it, you know. I don't think it'll be be too long before we know a whole lot more about it, and it looks like a recent small scale study in canines suggests that high immunosuppressive doses of rapamycin are associated with an increased risk for infection um and
0: they which kind of makes sense obviously, right yeah. yeah,
2: we already know that um and then they also mention too in a couple of these studies that there's a climate variation that Rapamycin impairs cold intolerance, so that's another piece of it um, to to figure out if their environmental stimuli affect its usefulness. So there's a lot of nuances
1: to this. To what, this. One interesting co- component of this, and, I, and I've, I think it relates back to the efficacy of metformin potentially around anti-aging, is the fact that... It seems to mimic the effect of, of this from from a um, metabolic perspective. Seems to mimic the effect of fasting, which has been long known to mm-hmm. prolong uh, to prolong lifespans. Let's say, yeah. Um,
2: so the question of how, like, okay, we see that it does X, Y, Z, but then it's the question is how does it do this? Yeah, that's right. at the very cellular level. It kind of does do similar things to what the fasting. So you could just say, hey, "You know, fast and, exactly. and, and
1: it's a lot, lot safer." But it, and it, it it's interesting that,
2: but, but it's a lot harder to go without food thirty six hours straight a week
1: as opposed to as a a opposed pill. to popping
2: a pill. So that's <laughs> right. why this stuff is researched.
1: Exactly, but it is it's interesting, kind of at, at a high level, that we find that those things that are you know kind of are challenging to the body, stress the body. Um, in some cases, are actually good. For, right. the, for the body um, and again and, and, and we've, we've pounded on this nail before but um, it goes back to that evolutionary history of you know we, we lived in challenging mm-hmm. we evolved in challenging times right. not in this cushy 20th 21st century yep. world of you know, unlimited food um, and shelter, and, um, right. and and the fact that that has well, that's you know, it's all nice, and we, we wouldn't want to go back twelve thousand years to right. our hunter gatherer forebears. Um,
2: but how do you counteract physiologically? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's why I go back to exercise, which is probably the most well established way to keep yourself healthy and prevent chronic disease and there's it's like unequivocal, like there's no question. Um, but the act of exercise is very stressful on your body. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, it tears muscle, it increases inflammation, it increases cortisol, all this stuff that you're like, wait a second, I, you know. I thought you that think, all that was bad. Right, but the occasional stress is what helps. Um, and then the fasting is a similar kind of thing. You put your body in kind of a different stress mode and short-term stress like that. Facilitates all kinds of positive regeneration and at the cellular level, so it's very interesting.
1: It is. It is, and it's. And I tell you, the it there you know a week doesn't go by without a new mm-hmm. study being publicized. Uh, the latest one, I think it was just from last week, uh, is on this study that was done in boy, I forget where it was done. I think it was done in the U.S. Maybe. Um, Now it didn't involve rapamycin, but it did involve um, metformin, and then um, uh, oh, human growth hormone. Yep,
0: HGH.
1: HGH, and then another um, uh, anti-diabetes drug, DHEA. I want to say. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, but that's not
2: anti-diabetes.
1: No, I thought I thought there were two anti-diabetes drugs: uh, metformin and um, DHEA, but, um, I may have that wrong. Uh, but it definitely d- um, added the, um, the, the, human growth hormone. Yeah. And I want to say the diabetes drugs were to counteract the, 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 um, impact of the human growth hormone on your risk of developing diabetes. Like they really wanted to study the, um, you know, the, the effect of HGH potentially on aging. I see. That now, the issue with this study is there were nine participants only, so that's a very small cohort. So they
2: were, yeah, I see here, they were using, essentially they were, yeah, trying to study the effect of just HGH while preventing negative side effects because HGH increases your nuance at diabetes. And So those tolerance two were supposed to just limit that.
1: Um Make you more tolerant of the of the of the growth hormone
2: but then what what's actually causing the positive effect positive
1: effect so the effect what they found oh, granted nine people so so uh, can't take this to the bank but the 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 reason this study got so much publicity, including a, a write up in the New York Times, was that They, um, by this measure that they use to, to figure out your biological age, not your chronological age, it not only stopped aging in these uh, study subjects, but reversed it by two years, I want (laughs) to say. So that, and it's been like the first, first time that they. And then
2: your question (laughs) is, how do you quantify years gained, but they have their ways, which is. Yeah, this for is for another podcast. For another
1: po- but, podcast, but I got to throw it out there cuz I, I, I because Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I'd heard of this thing called the Horvath clock or Horvath watch. Yeah. which is a way to um which is a way to determine your biological age and it's based on which was is interesting. It's based upon um and actually I don't know the technical term, but basically the 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 way your genes get expressed or epigenetics
0: right
1: so because there some other ways we talked about uh, telomeres or telomeres mm-hmm. how, how do you pronounce that again i know we have this i again, say so telomeres i think you're right this yep. is telomeres yep. so the 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 length of the telomeres um is is another way but this this um horvath clock is supposedly much more accurate um than than that right and so that's that's the way they use it and, and And what was interesting is even uh, studying these subjects two years after they stopped this regimen um, of of HGH and metformin and whatever that other drug was, um, they still exhibited that two-year difference. Right. So
2: So that's, again, it's all really kind of cool stuff, but all stuff that needs to be ironed out and that's going to take
1: a while. And in the meantime, we can, we, we you you know the the, the bold yeah. or the foolish can can do their can do studies their of one, yes exactly. <laughs> Whatever. So yeah,
2: when that's been going on since the beginning of medicine.
1: That's true. Yeah, that, that's true. So, well, interesting stuff, and I'm sure we'll have uh, I'm sure we'll have more to, to say both about um, rapamycin and the uh, and metformin and some of these other yeah. potentially beneficial compounds. But it's definitely an interesting time to be um, talking about um, the, the whole and... yeah the whole question of aging. I I'll, yeah. I'll just throw this one other thing out there. There's this researcher David Sinclair that just published a book. We'll we'll link to it in our. Uh, in our study notes, and, and he he's a he's a, a um, longevity researcher yes. and, at Harvard, and so you know, credible dude. Oh yeah. Um, but he he posits that we're not far away from humans being able to live literally hundreds of years so breaking that kind of that that barrier of 110 to 120 being the where, absolute max
2: some chronic disease or your heart's going to just fail
1: and and, and yeah. you all, you had to be genetically gifted to even get to that right point right that barrier is going to be broken and and available not just to those genetically gifted but right. to the to, to the general public, so to speak. Or, yeah. you know, the other question is for the folks that can afford whatever treatments exactly. that, that get you there. Yeah,
2: you know. before insurance
1: Talk covers it, it. Yeah, it's, it in it'll be a hundred years. So, right. so good. Good, good. Good talking to you um, about this interesting subject. hope you feel better with that, Thank you. With that cold. Hope you don't give it to me, actually. I
2: was going to say. And it all trickles back to Sophia.
1: Yeah, I know. So, I know. She is the. She is she's the. She's one who can be blamed. What do they call that in uh, when they do those uh, studies of these? Uh, you
2: know, uh, patient zero. Patient zero. Yes. yeah, She's where
1: the the contagion. She's uh, always started. patient zero. <laughs> so, but fortunately, she's so cute uh, and adorable and lovable yes. that we'll 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 give her that. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. We'll we'll chat again soon. Probably um, after you've. Uh, giving birth.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, we'll fit one more in.
1: Yeah, we'll no see. No knows,
2: but this kid. Stay tuned. All right.
1: <laughs> see ya. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctor that's spelled T H E D R A N D D A D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now, the legal disclaimer this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor patient relationship is formed. Use of this information and show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Dr. and Dad podcast.